Bible this morning. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for the Word? Okay, here we go. I want you to turn me to Luke, uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 7 and verse 11. Luke's Gospel, chapter 7 and verse 11. Uh, before we even get going, the reason why I love Luke's Gospel is because Luke is a doctor. Luke uh, followed around Paul the Apostle. A lot of the stuff that was penned and written about the uh, early day church was because of this guy, Luke. Luke was uh, being a doctor very particular, very pedantic about what he wrote down. I'm telling you, if you're going to trust somebody's uh, witness, often to hear from a doctor, it's a pretty good source, isn't it? So he has written, unlike the other Gospels, he has written very particular, very uh, precise, you know, accurate, accurate accounts of what Jesus did. So that's why I love Luke's Gospel. It says this uh, in Luke chapter 7 and verse 11. And we're going to read along on this huge uh, Kindle on steroids. Here we go. Luke chapter 7 and verse 11. It says this, Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain. Everyone say Nain. Nain. It says this, A town called Nain, and His disciples and a large crowd went along with Him. Verse 12, As He approached the town gate, a dead person, another translation says a young boy, a, a youth, who was being carried out, the only son of His mother, and she was a widow. Let's pause out. Have you ever had those moments in your life where you feel like things can't get worse and they get worse? And you're wondering in the heat of that moment, Jesus, where are you? What, what, what's going on? Really? Is this really how it's going to end? But isn't it good to know that Jesus always has the last say? He always seems to show up exactly when He means to. And when He shows up, something happens. It says this, that as, as he was, uh, this, this widow, it says a large crowd from the town was with her. So again, take into account, there is two opposing crowds. There is a crowd that is with Jesus, and there is a crowd that is walking along with this dead boy. Two opposing crowds. When the Lord saw her, I love this. He says, his heart went out to her and said to her, the Bible also says that he had compassion for her. Isn't, again, isn't it good to know that we serve a God who can feel? No, that's interesting because why? Back in the ancient days of which this scripture was written, all the stories and the truths of this gospel was written, we must understand that everybody's view of a God was that a God could not be emotional. Because if you could be emotional, it meant you could relate to people, to mankind. And if you could relate, that means that you were not worthy of having Godship. You couldn't have the same feelings. You couldn't have, no, no, no. You needed to be almost stoic. You couldn't have that. You had to be apathetic towards mankind. But isn't it good to know that we have a God who actually relates when we go through tough things? He has compassion and he is moved with compassion. It says this, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. Verse 14, then he went up he touched the buyer, which, which is actually, it wasn't a coffin. But in those days, they didn't have coffins. They had like a basket that would put the body in because they didn't believe in burying it in a coffin. They thought, the man, if you're going to come into this earth with nothing, you go out with nothing. And so they would carry him in a basket and they would literally just, they wouldn't even, if you were poor, you were put in the ground. If you were rich, you were put in a cave. And so he, here's this guy on a basket being carried along. And I love the fact that Jesus reached out and he, he touched it. He touched it. Uh, I get, sorry, you'll get used to my preaching. I have a lot of timeouts because I just love explaining the context, right? Okay, listen again. In that day and age, for somebody to touch a dead body, 
My goodness, it was unclean. This person most likely had just died. This is potentially 12 hours or less after this boy's death. And their culture was, you must get rid of this body because it will cause the whole town to be unclean. Have you ever felt like you have been rejected by things in your life? That meant people are just trying to get you out of that place as quick as possible because I don't want to deal with your mess. Let's get him out as quickly as possible. But I love again that Jesus reaches out and he touches the things that no one else will touch. Come on. He has compassion for the people that no one else has compassion for that's good it says this and, and the bearer stood still and he said young man i say to you get up i love this the dead man sat up and began to talk oh man isn't that good when jesus comes into your life man you don't just sit up you speak up come on something happens on the inside it says that he began to sit up and speak up and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Again, the perfect example of why we will be a generational church so that this previous generation isn't going to mourn over the next. No, God's bringing resurrection. Come on, back to this generation so that we can do this thing together. Oh, so good, so good. They were filled with awe and praised God. And God, it says this, that God, this guy must be a prophet, they said. God has come to be or to help his people. One more scripture, we'll get this party started. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says this. As for, as for you, this is you and I, this is everyone here. You were, here's that word, dead, right? Don't, 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 you, you can engage with me, that's fine. Some people are scared to yell out in church in case they yell out the wrong thing. You know, as for you, you were Moses. No, okay, no, like people are, people are scared to yell out. You can yell out. Come on, we can be verbally engaging together. As for you, you were, you were, I was dead, wow, in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways, again, the crowd, the ways of this world, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Next verse, all of us, all of us, oh man, all of us lived among them, at one time. Again, recognize that we have all been there before. So before we hop up on a self-righteous horse to look down on people who are yet to figure out this thing called Christianity, let's remember at one time I was there. At one time you were there. So I have compassion. Why? Because freely I have received, so freely I will give. Oh, good, good. Glad someone didn't say Moses. Here we go. <laughs> It says that gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature, we were deserving of wrath. We, this is the issue. Sometimes we've made the church the gathering of good people. We think, and the world has adopted a perception that this is a place where good people gather. But can I tell you, this is not a place where good people gather. Oh, but, I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. No, well, I'm sorry. Read your Bible. We were all destined to the wrath of God. We were all, by our nature, sinners falling short. But yet, this is the thing. We must admit our sin. Why? Because as we admit our sin, we invite His grace. 
until you admit that, you will never receive His grace because you feel that you don't need it. I'm good enough, but how good is good enough? We keep on falling short time and time again. So we recognize, man, I'm telling you, the reason why you will worship more passionately is not because, man, I'm so good and I'm happy that life's good. No, no, I recognize that I was a sinner saved by grace. Come on. And I start to worship with passion because I don't deserve to be here, but God opened the door for me to have relationship with Him. Oh, that's His gospel. That's gospel. It's good. Like the rest, we were, nature, were by nature deserving of wrath. Goes on to say, but, but, because. I love it. Every time you see that but in the Bible, you've got to recognize it's always God coming in with this massive, uh, I object. Let me have my say. Recognize that there is, that the Bible says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. What is that? It means truth is we need Christ, but grace is He wants us. He wants you. But it says this, but because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us, oh, there we go, alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Come on, somebody, let's give God some praise for that. It's by grace we have been saved. The... Uh, we're just, that's just reading the scripture. We're going to get to the message now. Are you ready for this? Title of my message for all those people that are taking notes and want to have their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want you to, uh, that's a joke too, by the way. Uh, I want you to write this down. Interrupting funerals. Interrupting funerals. Let's pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to help us today. God, we thank you for this amazing church. We thank you for what you're doing. God, I pray that we would not just hear the word. God, we know that the seed is good. It's the soil that's the issue. God, so we make a determination to make our heart good soil to receive what you have to say, God, because we don't want to go and just have church on a Sunday and, not, and make it affect our Monday, God. We want to wake up tomorrow knowing that something happened because of your grace, because of your spirit working in our lives, because of the truth of your word. We love you, God. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. I've got to preach quick. So um, I, I love looking and perusing through the archives of my life to look at all the moments uh, that were kind of like joyous moments. You ever do that? You kind of, kind of sometimes people are always looking forward and some, it's good to look forward. We must spend most of our time looking forward, but to sometimes look back and celebrate on the things that have happened, right? We should look back all the time and celebrate where we came from and what God has done. And I also love that we can um, look back and just, just enjoy the good memories, the good times, right? I can look back and I remember getting married, right? I've been married 13 years this year. I can't, some people are like, wow, you, like, I thought you were potentially like 17. Uh, yeah, well, I am. We, it was an arranged marriage. But anyways, we, that's uh, how we do it down under. But we, I love, you know, it was awesome. You got married, the, you know, the wedding days, unbelievable, come on. And then the wedding night is like, it's just, it's great. And uh, you know what I mean? You go and you go to the hotel and you play Monopoly. And man, I just love it. You go on your honeymoon, you just play Monopoly all, all time. And then, um, Monopoly's a code word. Anyway, so uh, just trying to keep it PG, but... Uh, you have these moments, right? And these beautiful moments, you remember having a kid, you know, it's a beautiful moment. I would love, I, I really look back on one of the other moments that I thought was probably one of the funnest moments in my life. It was the time uh, when I got to first stay the night at a friend's house. Okay, now some people are like, man, that, that was a long time ago for some 
of the brothers and sisters out there. But, but you, do you remember the first time you stayed at someone's house? Like it was just the most phenomenal thing. I am escaping uh, the parents' jurisdiction and I'm now going to enter into another parents. But they, they most likely, most of the people's houses I stayed at, their parents were always a bit more lenient than my parents. And you didn't want to stay at someone else's house whose parents were stricter, right? Like some type of kind of POW camp, you know, I mean, Schnell, don't do that. You know, like it's not, you don't want that. But uh, we, we went to, uh, next door, I had a friend of mine, his name was Strongy. In Australia, everyone has a nickname and uh, Strongy was, was my best friend growing up. And uh, he said, would you like to come stay at my house? I said, I'd love to come stay at your house. And so we stayed. And when you go into the house, man, my mom was the organic mom. Uh, she loved organic things. Her idea of a treat was freezing OJ in a cup, giving it to me after school to say, here you go, sweetheart, enjoy. And you're like, oh, thanks, mom. You know, like, so you... Come on, that's, that's juice. It's frozen. I'm not a fool, okay? Uh, but yet you... We go to her house. So we go to my, my friend's house, Strongy's house, and, and his, his mum was like out of control. Man, she had this copious amounts of soda in her fridge. She had Doritos, like she was stocking up for some type of, you know, end of war kind of, you know, end of the world thing. You know, I mean, she just had piles and piles of Doritos. And so I started indulging. As you do, as a kid being deprived for so long, you overindulge. So I started eating these things. I'm just crushing them down. The soda, I'm telling you, I didn't even have soda before. Again, mum used to get water and put food dye in it, right? Okay, so just to fool me, okay, again, that's messed up. Some people are like, wow, that's really, let's pray. Thank you, G. You know, like, I, uh, I remember drinking the soda. Like, I'm telling you, we just... I, I just pounded this thing down. I, I got to a point where I just stopped drinking it. I just started pouring it on my head. Like, I'm, I'm just caught up. It comes to about uh, 8 o'clock, and uh, it's bedtime. Because, uh, again, when you're six years, seven years old, uh, bedtime, a late night was, was 8 o'clock. You know what I mean? Like, at that age, that was like, oh, my gosh, I'm up. It's 8 o'clock, and I'm still up. Woo! You know, you're crazy about it. It's almost like you count down to it, like it's New Year's Eve. You know what I mean? Like, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, happy 8 o'clock. You know, like, you're, you're pumped about it. And they said to me, uh, look, we don't have a guest lounge, uh, sorry, a guest uh, uh, room, but we do have a couch that, you're, that you can sleep on. And so I remember going to sleep and uh, on this beautiful, comfy, beige couch and just falling into the most comatose state. It was this deep, deep, euphoric moment where I just started to dream. And I had the most amazing dream. There was a water park and there was uh, water slides and elephants, hoses, super soakers. I'm pretty sure Kevin Costner was in there somewhere because Waterworld, like it was, it was just crazy. Now I'm about to allude to a pretty uh, something, and, and, and some of you are thinking, wait, really, uh, James, you, you, you're like a pastor and a dad, and you're going to make a joke about this? Uh, yes, I am. So get ready for it. If this offends you, uh, I'll, I'll be gone to Australia tonight. But anyway, so uh, as I'm in this deep comatose state, I realized that this water dream was more than just a water dream. There was a water reality taking place. And I am now starting to, to, to water baptize the couch. <laughs> and in the dream, I'm thinking, stop, stop, stop. But I can't because I'm in a dream. The reason why you're laughing right now, because you've just done this as well, right? Maybe last week. But some, <laughs> you, you, you just can't stop. And I wake up and I realize, oh my gosh, it's, I, I have wet my friend's couch. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is not just a little bit. I'm telling you, it was like a flood disaster zone. 
there's people paddling past on canoes like, what have you done? Like, you know, there is driftwood and it, it is crazy. So I did what any seven-year-old boy would do. I, I ran home. I, I know some people are like, oh, you poor little wet child. And uh, don't, don't think of it too. It was, I live next door, so don't worry about it. I, I just ran home. I knock on the door. My dad comes to the door. It's like 6 a.m. He's like, Jones, what's going on? I said, oh, Dad, I just uh, miss you guys, and I wanted to come home. <laughs> you know, like, so I, I go inside, go to my room, shut the door. Gets to about 7.30 a.m., there's a knock at the door. James, get the door. No. I had a bit of attitude as a kid and a high-pitched voice. James, get the door. No. So dad just trunches up the hallway and he comes to the door and opens the door. And I hear his voice bellow down the hallway. James, Strongy's here. I'm like, oh no. And I'm thinking, you know when something goes down in your life and literally you, you, it, you know it's a bad situation and you always assume the absolute worst? You never think, oh, maybe it's, maybe it's a good thing. Isn't that weird how the human mind goes to the absolute worst extreme where, again, the, the acronym, if you will, of fear is false evidence appearing real. It's almost like you, you don't know, but yet you assume that it is the absolute worst outcome. And so there is, is Strongy at the door, and I kind of walk up the hallway expecting to, to, to receive some serious smackdown from my friend. As I get to the door, he's standing there just pumped. He's like, hey, man, are you ready to play? I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. I said, but dude, don't you want to tell me something? He says, oh, what do you mean? I said, dude, you, you don't want to tell me something? He says, well, what are you talking about? I said, dude, the, the couch, the, the couch, the, the couch, you know, like the, you don't want to tell me something? He says, oh, yeah, dude, the couch. Oh, yeah, that's all good. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, man, don't worry about it. I took care of it. I'm like, What? He's like, yeah, I just flipped the cushion. <laughs> Come on. And, and the family never found out. Anyway, so <laughs> this is the thing. Uh, when we make mistakes in our lives, when we find ourselves in situations that are seemingly bad or maybe in reality very bad, what you must understand is that God comes along not with accusation or blame, but what you'll find is that grace always flips the cushion. But, 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 but let's, let's go there for a second in, in these 11 minutes and 26 seconds we have left. Listen, if, if we have resolved to make God simply the cushion flipper when things go down, the chances are we will always find ourselves not living in the the, the liberty and the majesty and the beauty of Christianity, but simply living on the other side of grace. The other side where grace is meant absolutely to save you and redeem you and restore you, but grace also gives you the ability to live the life Christ called you to live. This is two sides to the coin. So if we constantly live on the receiving end of grace, we never actually get to enjoy the beauty and the majesty of living in grace. Living in it. See, it's, it's at this point we come to this story again in the Bible. Here is a boy, and, and this boy is dead. I love this story because it is a perfect depiction of what the gospel is. The gospel is this, that we were dead in our sins. We were dead. This is, this is, this is point number one. If you want to take points, you can do this. Now, uh, number one, let's, let's, let's kind of make some, some pretty good observations. Here. Number one, let's recognize this boy was dead. 
Okay, wow, that's uh, that's deep, man. Wow, I kind of, Bishop Pitts, he's you. Okay, you know, like, no, 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 but this is important. Because um, I think often what we've done is this. We think is um, sin makes you a bad person. Sin doesn't make you a bad person. Sin makes you a dead person. When we sin, it cuts off our relationship with God. It's not that I'm sometimes good and then sometimes I have moments of badness, but I keep going, no, no, no. Sin makes you dead. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Not the way, was that when we read that scripture, we think that if I keep on sinning, eventually I'm going to come to a point of death. No, as you sin, you literally are dying. You're dead. One sin, multiple sins, it doesn't matter. Sin makes us dead to God. This boy was dead. He was being, not only is this, not only number one is he dead, but number two, he is being carried away. Have you ever felt yourself in life being carried away from where you know God wants you to be? You look at this, this word Nain, what does word, the word Nain mean? It means green pastures or a beautiful place. Here's the thing, while God is trying to make us lay down in green pastures, the devil is trying to carry us away from green pastures. He, the, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and so we are being carried away. Some of you are in this room, and you are constantly being carried away by guilt, carried away by shame, carried away by fear, carried away by rejection. You are constantly being carried away. What's also interesting to note is that in this day and age, in this context, uh, they actually had people that carried the dead bodies. They would have what they called professional mourners. This is true. People would be hired in to weep and wail and cry at people's funerals. They were actually got paid very, like a lot of money for it. I know this sounds unusual, but that's exactly how it was. People would come in and scream and they would carry these dead bodies and they were paid to be compassionate. But sometimes I've found this to be true, that we have people who really, really don't care about us they give us the emotional response that they do, but instead of carrying us back to the green pastures, slowly but surely they're taking us away from the green pastures of God. Man, it is essential that the relationships you have in your life are not ones that take you away from Christ, but take you towards Christ, to take you towards the relationships and the rightness and the beauty and the majesty of His plan for your life. But we're constantly being carried away. I really feel that's important for some people here today. Because you have allowed yourself to be carried away. You've allowed yourself to be caught up in sin and shame of the past. And you sit in church and it's almost like you come back to the green pasture on Sunday only to be carried away again on Monday. Is that, let me ask you this, is that what Jesus died for you to have? Is that it? Is that the result of the gospel that we are constantly only coming to Sunday to have our cushion flipped? To have our green pasture moment again only to find ourselves to be carried away and we get back to Sunday and we're not bursting into Sunday with excitement and joy and revelation and, and man, great stories of people coming to Christ. Now we're coming back in with this disheveled, broken down, battered up life again because Christ didn't really transform me. I just let him transform a moment. So, so, so there must be something more. Is that what the gospel's about? But this is what I love. He's dead, he's being carried away, and then someone interrupts the funeral. Oh. Man, to think that our righteousness and our 
standing with God has anything to do with us is foolishness. Because you were dead in your transgressions. Let me tell you, dead people can't argue back at the accuser. Dead people can't try and work their way out of the thing that they're in. Dead people can't try and make up for the things that have happened in the past. They are dead. It is finished. But to know that here comes Jesus and he interrupts the funeral. This is important. Because as he interrupts the funeral, the Bible says that he grabs, or this translation says that he touches the coffin. If you look up the original translation of this word, it didn't mean simply just to touch, you know, just, just to touch. Isn't it amazing how people come to church and they just want to touch from Jesus? I just want to touch. I just want to feel good for a moment. I just want a little touch. Come to the altar to get my touch. And that's, no, but when you read this word, it meant that he fastened himself to the coffin. He fastened himself. What you need is not another touch from God, man. You need the grip of grace to get a hold of you and shake you out of your dead living, your dead lifestyle. Come on. It is when we have his grace that lays a hold and interrupts the funeral. He interrupts it. And now we find ourselves in this place where not only are we finding the grace of God gripping our lives, but we begin to sit up and we begin to speak up. We sit up, we speak up, and now the, the, the funeral procession has stopped, the, the thing has closed. And I, I love this, that we are called not only to have our funeral interrupted, but be a part of the interruption of other people's funerals. There's a crowd taking this boy away from his destiny. But then Jesus and his crowd, his posse, are coming back and they're counteracting this funeral and that they're hitting this person and bringing life back. You listen, let me tell you something. Our job is not to be the resurrector of life, but I tell you what, we join the procession and we walk with Jesus to see more people come alive again in Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like I am dead on the inside. It's what I found to be true is that you could be very much alive in appearance, but dead on the inside. Maybe your marriage feels dead. Maybe you feel like you're being carried away from what you thought. Man, I thought we were going to have a green pasture kind of marriage here, but I feel we're being carried away. Maybe your destiny, maybe your purpose, maybe there's something that you thought, man, I thought it was going to be like this, but here I am being carried away. I'm here to preach to you the good news of the gospel. That Jesus sent me here, if you will, to play a part in him interrupting your funeral. To say, this is where it stops. I'm not going to let you go to the grave on this thing. You might be halfway there, but guess what? I found you and I've stopped you. It might be halfway, but this thing's going to end. And I can bring resurrection life back into everything that you thought was dead. I don't know about you, but I needed my funeral interrupted. I needed it. Man, it wasn't in any way at all. I wasn't just a little bit sick. I wasn't just a little bit ill. I wasn't just a little bit broken. No, I was dead in my sense. But he made me alive. It changed me. It's the life and the power of Jesus Christ. That's why we gather. That's why we're here not again to gather around a, a person or gather around an, a, a, the name of a church. All those things are, in, are great and important, but we come under one name because it's in His name there's power. The 
power to resurrect, the power to bring life. Do you feel dead? Do you feel helpless? Do you feel maybe even worse, hopeless? Jesus wants to interrupt your funeral. I want to show one quick thing, really quickly. I have seven minutes and 49 seconds to go. I, uh, I feel like sometimes in my life, like I'm on this race, I'm on this journey towards where I know God wants me to be, but something happens. Somehow I stumble, somehow I fall, somehow something goes down and I found myself, I'm still on the path, but I feel like I'm, I'm crippled on the path. I'm, I'm barely getting there. And I want to show you this quick clip because I believe that some people here need some hope in where they're at. You need hope. Maybe, maybe you have received Christ and maybe you could say confidently, yes, I am alive with Christ, but yet I still have this thing. I still have these moments and I believe that God wants to bring you hope today. In 1992, uh, the Olympics were being held and there was a, a race with sprinters that was going down and there was a, uh, an athlete by the name of Derek Redmond. He was from the UK. He's a phenomenal runner. They put money on him to win this particular race. People were convinced, man, he's going to be the gold medalist. It's going to be crazy. But something happens to Derek Redmond on the race. I want to show you this really quickly on the screen. So guys, if you could play this real quick clip.
you notice something in this clip, and uh, there's a few few laughs along the way, that uh, the man who ran onto the track wasn't any man. It was his father. It's, it's a journey, isn't it? This thing called faith that God has got us on, and we are... We're trying to get to that finish line. Like Paul says, I'm going to finish this race. But some people have felt like on the journey, it's like something's gone down and something has crippled you. Something has hindered you. And some of you feel like, man, they're putting me back in the box. I'm, I'm going back to the funeral procession. But I love that there is, there's not just a God, but there is a Father who runs down onto the track who's not a God who observes from a distance. Again, Christ didn't, didn't just say from a distance, hey, oh, yeah, yeah, get, once, you, once you get, take, this kid's going to live. It's all right, don't cry. No, he reaches and he grabs and lays a hold and fastens himself to this boy. In the same way, this man ran onto the track to fasten himself to his son. There was an article written about that particular story. And uh, the only time I'm going to look at it in my notes because I can't remember it. They asked him, they said, Derek, what happened that day? What was the conversation that went down? This is what the uh, response was in this UK magazine. Dad, I want to finish. Get me back and I'll be in the semifinal. Derek's dad responded, catch this. Okay, we started this thing together and we'll finish this thing together. He managed to get me to stop running and just walk. That, that, we don't run by faith, do we? Oh, we walk. We walk. Just keep, just keep walking. And it says that his dad kept him repeating to him, you're a champion. You've got nothing to prove. You're a champion. You've got nothing to prove. Listen. Sometimes it's like the devil runs down onto the track that is our life and try to tell you, no, you're not alive in Christ. No, you're still on the procession. You're still going to the grave. But he interrupts the funeral and he comes in and says, hey, you're a champion. You've got nothing to prove. I am with you and I, I am for you. Then who or what can be against you? Come on. We have a God who interrupts the darkest of moments so that we can come alive together with Christ. With Christ. Come on. It's with Christ, not for Christ. It is it's with Him. It's with Him. Oh, Jesus, bow your heads, close your eyes as I finish. Listen, there's some people here. You felt hopeless. You felt helpless. You felt like you are, you, you, you literally feel on the inside like I'm dead and I'm being carried away. But He's interrupting your funeral. He came to interrupt your funeral. And He doesn't come to point out, well, you got yourself here, didn't you? You really stuffed it. Oh man, you screwed your... No, he doesn't. He fastens himself to you. Will you allow the grip of grace to get a hold of your life today? Do you want to be alive together with Christ? Do you want to have that joy back that you thought was dead? Do you want to have that vision back that you thought was dead? Do you want to have that marriage back that you thought was dead? Do you want to have that purpose back that you thought was dead? Listen... It's not over till He says it's over. You're going to make it. This is not your wake. 
It is a day of celebration. So He's going to make you alive. It is by grace we have been saved. If you're here this morning, you've never prayed a prayer that says, God, make me alive with Christ. You know that you're, you know, this. you're not living. You're living, but you're not. And you feel weighed down. You feel like you're being carried away by things of the past, by regret, by shame. And God is wanting to interrupt your funeral today to bring life again. To bring life. That's what He does. He comes to bring life and life in abundance. But will you say yes to Jesus? Yes. Sin doesn't make you bad. It makes you dead. You need Jesus.